Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Jen Hatmaker, and you are listening to my brand new podcast and the very first episode of my brand new podcast. This is For the Love with Jen Hatmaker, and I am so excited to build and share this space with you. And this is how we're going to do this podcast. My tribe is so incredibly important to me, so incredibly special. I'm always listening. We're always in the weeds together. We're always looping around topics that we love, that we care about, that we find fascinating or hilarious or thrilling or important. And so what better way than to come into this kind of space together and just talk about it with each other, with people and leaders and thinkers and authors that we love and who have taught us and made us laugh and made us think. And so the way this podcast is going to look is we're going to do it by series. So for example, this very first series where I wanted to start with you, where I wanted to start with my people was on relationships among women. So the first series is going to be called For the Love of Girlfriends. And we're going to go through five or six different episodes talking with different guests, um, some hilarious, some really instructive, some just fabulously approachable and teachable and, and learn what we can learn about what it looks like to have meaningful and lasting relationships as women. But we're going to we're going to run the gamut here, you guys. I see us exploring uh, for the love of food, obviously, for the love of travel, for the love of books, obviously, um, for the love of TV shows. Hi, that might need to be 10 episodes. For the love of movies, for the love of parenting. Um, we're going to just, we're going to go at it. Everything that we care about, everything that we love, things that um, sometimes will move us and make us think. Sometimes things that will simply entertain us and make us laugh. So I just am so excited to host this, to invite a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I admire in. And I'm so very glad that you're joining us. Um, so obviously we're new here and we would love to hear from you and and love to hear what you think. So all you ever need to do is go over to For the Love podcast on iTunes, click the review button and give us some love. That's so helpful as we sort of learn how to serve you and learn what we care about and listen to your ideas and to your feedback. And so head over there to iTunes and you can tell us what you think. So it is with great pleasure that I introduce here this very first series for the love of girlfriends. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. It's going to be interesting, useful. I think we're going to really get into the weeds here on what is both wonderful about relationships with women as adults, and let's be honest, what's really hard about it, and the places where we get stuck, and it rubs, and we struggle. And so we're going to put it all in the pot and stir. So let me tell you about our very first guest. <laughs> oh, My very first guest is my dear 
and precious and wonderful and treasured friend, Shauna Nequist, who so many of you know and love. And let me tell you, nobody speaks into this better than her. Um, I invited Shauna as my first guest because she's my actual real friend. We have been friends for over 10 years and we have seen each other through a lot of stuff, you guys. Some amazing, some absolutely awful and heartbreaking. And our friendship has just deepened and grown. And she's such a good girlfriend, not just to me, but to her wide array of friends that she has assembled and nurtured her entire life. I can't think of anybody else that would want to put in front of you for this very first episode, who is as warm and endearing and delightful and funny, funny, funny as Shauna. So without any further ado, here is my talk with my good girlfriend, Shauna Nequist. I'm sure you probably know Shauna, but she is just an incredibly gifted, special writer. She's a New York Times bestseller. She's written Cold Tangerines and Bittersweet and Bread and Wine and Savor. And her latest book that came out last year is Present Over Perfect. And it just zinged to like the top of the charts and for good reason. And so she's married. She has two sons, Henry and Mac. Her husband, Aaron's a worship leader at Willow Creek up in Chicago, uh, where her dad is uh, pastored for heck. How long, Shauna? 41 years. That's all. Right? Um, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so rare. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hi. I'm so happy to talk to you for any reason. And if other people are listening, that's fine, too. But I'm just delighted to have an hour with you. That's kind of how it feels. I was thinking (laughs) the exact same thing. In fact, Sean and I were just talking offline a second ago. And I'm like, here's a handful of things we're going to talk about and also whatever we say. (laughs) Um, that's just, uh, there's a hundred percent chance we will meander around. So we are, um, together we're members of this belong to our team. And last year was our very first year and it's sort of a 12 city arena tour. Now here's the thing, Shauna, um, just this morning I went back and I just did a quick little listen to, sort of a Facebook live thing that me and you and Nicole did last fall when we were just talking about some stuff. We were at a hotel room somewhere and I'd forgotten, and I'm going to ask you to tell it. I gave you no lead on this, but I'd forgotten the most hilarious story that our friend Nicole, um, well, we were a part of this story ultimately. And it was the story about Ken and Shannon and Ken's mom. Oh, this is the worst. Um, will you tell it? Because This is the thing that like, these are the stories that sort of are birthed out of friendships that are are actually treasures that I will probably end up telling 1000 times in my lifetime. This is an amazing story. So Nicole, who is amazing, um, and she would say that she's, you know, like so much way more comfortable Um, behind the piano, singing, songwriting, and that we were able to like gently coax her out from behind the piano to do like a full, like, like she was like one of the speakers on the tour. Uh, And she's phenomenal. Like, it's not even fair how good she is. So she tells this wonderful story. And you know how there are some stories, like the first time you hear it, you're like, hey, I know I'm going to listen to this 12 more times. And it's going to mean something to me every time. It's this beautiful image. It connects to your life. It connects to your heart and your family. And you're like, I get this. This is one of those stories that, like, should be told everywhere. But it involves a couple named Ken and Shannon, right? That's right. It's about when um, 
Ken's mom passes away and Shannon has does this like beautiful lovely thing as a wife where she helps her husband to deal with literally and figuratively everything that's left right like all the stuff physically but then all the stuff on the inside it's this beautiful story so she tells it do we want to say like six times i want to say it's more like eight out of twelve it could be but then i I feel like her friends are in maybe denver with her or dallas and then they like they maybe go out for breakfast early in the morning or they're in her hotel room late at night after she tells that story and she's like you guys how did it like how did it feel to hear me tell this like very private story um for all these people, like, was that meaningful for you? Or did like, you know, is it weird? Is it, you know, whatever. And they all kind of, all her girlfriends look around at each other and they're like, well, um, you, uh, it's interesting, you know, that you asked. Uh, and they're all looking at each other and she's like, um, what? And one of them finally says, um, Ken's mother did not die. <laughs> she was... Um, in the later stages of uh, uh, maybe Alzheimer's or memory loss in some way, and she needed to move to a care facility. And so, so many of the dimensions of this story are, you're close, you're real close on this, except for the fact that the person you're talking about is actually still alive. (laughs) So just that part is the only tweak we would make in the next time. And I feel like, I mean, we just, I feel like it's one of those things where, if you're a person who does that kind of stuff for a living, like tells stories, uh, you're, you're sort of like, mm, this is making me rethink a lot of things in my life. Are any of the stories I've ever told anyone factually true? Did I, in fact, go to California? Do I? What's real? Like, oh, I'm... am I just making up stories? To... Yeah. We fell out when she came the next weekend and told us that story. I mean, I think you and I practically fell out of our chairs. I mean, we buried Ken's mother in at least eight cities. And it was just so shocking to find out she was alive and well. It feels very weird. It feels weird. <laughs> just, we had so many shenanigans on the tour. Uh, we could just sit here and list them forever, but it was so much fun to travel together. I, You and I have talked about this approximately one million times, but um, one thing that I have learned in the sort of work that you and I do is that there is absolutely no comparison to doing it alone versus doing this with friends that you love, like so much so that I'll never go back. Oh, a thousand percent. And really, that's where at least my involvement in the Belong Tour came from is I had this, I had become so over the travel alone, alone all the time, um, this really kind of segmented life where, you know, I, I, I like wrote a book about the beauty of life around the table and that I never was around one. I was only in airports and green rooms by myself and watching CNN in my hotel room by myself. Like, I hate this. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if you do this, but I, 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 Aaron and I talked and I said, I have this crazy dream and I don't have any idea how to make it come true. Like, I don't think I can, but if I ever travel and speak again, I want to do it in the context of relationships. I want to do it how I do the rest of my whole life. I parent very much in the context of relationships. I, you know, every, every good thing I do, I do with the people that I love. And I wanted to, I wanted to experience the traveling and speaking part of my life in the context of relationships. And so we had like all these weird inside joke names for it. Um, and then, and then the belong team called and I was like, 
have you been listening in on my weird conversations with my husband and our inside jokes about this? This is such a dream. It really, really was. And I just, um, in a season that typically left you and I sort of in the gutter, absolutely depleted, um, worn out, like just kind of in tattered threads, the, the, the difference in emerging out of the belong tour last year, having traveled with precious friends week in and week out was so markedly different. I just couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe how intact my soul remained um, in the midst of, because, you know, there's no doubt there's a cost to being gone. You know, you and I both, we parent a lot of kids and they're still young and they need us a lot. And so um, that was, I mean, such a light bulb moment for me. And so as we sort of, as you and I look toward the fall, I'm just excited about it. And and I know that that is going to be amazing. You and I have been friends for a decade, right? You know, we we always say this. I think it's got to be almost, a, I think, 11 years, I think. Henry was new. Yes. Yeah. And he's about to be 11. That's it. I was trying to remember this morning. Tell me if you think my memory is right on this because um, my memory is now like absolutely ruined by motherhood. So I just, it was probably faulty. It's like Ken's mom. I was just going to say, are you going to tell a story where someone's dead, but is not really dead? Is that what's going to happen now? Um, I feel like our first meeting was, I think it was 11 years ago at McLean Bible church outside of DC. And I think it was at that little, that conference called after Eve. And it was for young adults. Does this, does this feel right to you? Yes. So I think we met there for the first time, and then we did another one in Austin. That's right. And you drove me somewhere. Probably to eat food. And maybe back to my hotel. And then I think you called me, and and you were like, I'm going out for dinner. Would you like to come with me? And I was like alone in my hotel room feeling like such a loser, like, yes, please, I want to go out to dinner with you. That's right. Exactly. And we were both pretty green at the time. I mean, that was, that was at the genesis of both of our, at least for sure, our writing careers. And for me, my speaking career, um, I just, I, I am, I feel really grateful that there's probably not a transcript of that around for people to listen to. Oh, if there's video footage of that conference, I want it destroyed. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you were lovely. I'm sure lots of people said nice things. Um, I had an interesting speaking dilemma that I don't know if we've talked about. It's a, it's a little PG-13, so you tell me if we want to talk about it or not. All right. No, no, no. Let's hear it. So this was – at the Austin one, I, I remained clothed in every way. But in the D.C. one – oh, this is uh, – now that I'm into this story, I'm realizing I'm not sure I want to tell it. Oh, is let's, it too much? Let's well, just maybe say you can just clean it up a tiny bit. Does it have to be – is it underwear-related, bra-related? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bra-ish related. I was wearing kind of an alternative bra situation, <laughs> and I was pretty sure that it had removed itself and fallen down onto the ground – while I was speaking. No, you're not telling the truth. And so I, but I, what was I going to do? I wasn't going to, you know, stop. Um, so it was maybe the most stressful speech, some of the most stressful. Well, I told you about that other time where I got lost and I couldn't get off stage. So it was sort of like that. I mean, I've had a lot of stressful stage environment things, but this was a wardrobe malfunction that really, what I thought was my alternative bra situation was falling out of my shirt onto the ground. Or what is what you're saying to be that it fell down. It was around your waist. I, I couldn't, I couldn't locate it. I mean, I can't, you can't feel for it. Right. You can't be like, can't. Uh, is it on my boobs? Isn't it? No. And so, but I was afraid it was going to fall down on the ground. So in, in what I'm sure was a real seamless way, I, 
unbuttoned my jacket and tucked in my shirt so that if it was going to fall, it was just going to fall into the bottom of my shirt and not down into the ground. <laughs> so, so picture me. This is like it's like a silky, pretty shirt um, that's supposed to be like flowy right at like the waistline. Sure. <laughs> in the middle of my talk, I decided to tuck it into my jeans <laughs> so that if there's kind of a situation happening that it. it Something's gonna fall out of my shirt. My alternative bra situation. Now I've secured it. Oh, <laughs> I have tears. I am crying. Oh, oh. I can't believe. Great start. Great start. I'm glad oh. I just told the story. Oh, that's so fabulous. Oh, I'm yeah. so happy that we managed to work that in. <laughs> um, outstanding. Um, Shoot. Essentially, what happened with Shauna I is that we had a couple of overlapping events and then I'm pretty sure that my really chill way to approach it was by saying to you essentially is there any way that I could force you to be my friend like (laughs) is there is that appropriate is there can I just type your numbers into my phone and we started a friendship that has just been just a treasure honestly like 10 years of so many amazing memories and we've really grown together golly we have I mean we've seen babies born and kids graduated and our ministries shift and books come and go and I mean we've really seen a lot of life together over the last 10 years it's amazing I bet if you were to look back like before the tour when we talked 17 times every day I think if you read our texts from kind of those like five or six years in the middle there or what, whatever, I don't know when, um, we mostly cheered each other on when it seemed like the other was taking some hits, right? Like I feel like we've been um, in each other's corners during some pretty sticky situations, um, especially public ones. And I'm really thankful for that. I feel like if I have ever done something <laughs> brave or controversial or at least just hard publicly, you've been one of the first people to say, like, I see you, I've got you, this is going to be fine. And I can't tell you how valuable that is. I'm so thankful for that. Absolutely. I, um, I would say the exact same thing that our moments of joy are where so many of our delightful memories come through. But it's really in the hard moments, I think that a tried and true friendship is, um, is truly, forged. Um, I heard you say in an interview once that some advice that you wish you would have given yourself when you were younger was to invest really deeply in friendships and make memories together and take risks together. And I love that. I, I love the wisdom that the older us, um, would love to go back and tell the younger versions of ourselves. Um, are you doing that right now? Like what does that look like elsewhere in your life? I would say one of the things I've learned along the way is that friendship is one of those things that has like an unlimited positive return. The more you put into it, you get exponentially so much more out of it. And so it's sort of something, it's like a formula that I don't screw around with anymore. I put a lot into my friendships because they're that important to me. And of all the things I do with my life and my time, friendship bears out. It's worth it every time. And so, um, 
so this last week I was out of town a couple days because one, uh, my best friend, my best friend from college. So we met, you know, 23 years ago. Um, they very, ex- very unexpectedly experienced a loss in their family and it was just a disaster. It was such a, so, so much grief and so much brokenness. And I very much wanted to be at the service, but my husband went instead, you know, we have kids and schedules. So the boys went to, you know, and the girls didn't, um, and like the husbands went to support the husband and the wives, you know, kind of held down the fort because that's sometimes how life is. But I said to her, um, to my best friend, she's totally a quality, quality time person. I said, um, I'm so sorry I can't be at the funeral. You know, we had to switch off on this one. And when uh, when the dust settles a little bit in your life, I want to spend two or three days together, just you and I, and I want to hear everything. The big things, the little things, I want to take really long walks and stay up really late. And I just want to carry this with you. And so we did that um, last week. And it was such, I'm so thankful for friendship. And I'm thankful for the way it carries heavy things. And in this season, this is not a particularly heavy season for me in those ways. But it is for her. And I want to be the first one in line carrying heavy things because she's been there for me one million times. Mm. I like your wisdom in that because... You're probably like me. I have women ask me a lot about friendships because I'm fully in Team Shauna here. I'm I'm in your camp. I I invest very, very deeply and heavily into my friendships because um, I I sincerely cannot envision my life without them. Um, But I, I hear from women a lot who struggle or they're lonely. Um, or they're they're craving the depth of relationships with other women and don't quite know how to find them or secure them or keep them. But the truth is, um, and, and what you just mentioned, it takes work. It really does. Like it, 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 they don't just magically find their way to your doorstep. It's it's not sorcery. You know, it is it is picking up the phone. It is getting on a plane. Sometimes it is. Uh, it is taking that time out. And, and really, I think maybe time is the key. That is, just, There's no shortcut to it. It is, is hours and lots of them and over lots of months and ultimately lots of years. And what you get on the other end of that is just absolutely as good as gold. I totally agree. And I think the first couple years aren't always gold. Great point. So let's talk for a minute about what you and I both believe is the very sacred intersection of food and friendship. That those are, um, those are twin sisters, and for neither one of us can can be separated at all. Obviously, you are one of the most delightful, wonderful, credible leaders and writers when it comes to this space. Nobody has instructed me better on this. Has inspired me more. Um, has just with your beautiful gift of language and life led me to the table. So talk just a little bit about why the table and food and cooking and gathering is so important and so central to what ultimately becomes sort of a bedrock of friendship. Oh, well, that was the sweetest. Thank you. Um, Well, you know, I mean, every word. Thank you. I, um, you know, I think some of it is, you know, sometimes people ask me like, does everybody have to love the table the way you love the table? (laughs) Does everybody have to read cookbooks? Like, their novels and and live at the grocery store like you do. No, not everybody does. Um, so I would say some of it, I would say two real separate things. One of it is we find the people we love by doing the thing we love, right? So my best girlfriends and I cook together because that's what we love to do. 
my brother races sailboats and motorcycles and basically any vehicle of any kind, especially the more dangerous, the better. That's what he loves to do with his friends. And so that's where the heart of his friendships reside. My husband is a musician. And so rehearsals and the before and after and the tuning of the instruments and the gear and all that, that's where most of his friendship moments reside. Uh, And so I think you find your tribe kind of, you find your people by doing your thing, right? Cooking and hospitality and hosting is my thing. And so I love, I find like-minded people through the course of doing that. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is I would say, especially for people who aren't food people, I always find that people are genuinely shocked to be fed food that someone made sitting at a table with other human people. It's like this Mm. totally novel thing that doesn't happen. Like, like once you're out of your parents' house, people don't do that very often. And so there are a couple people in my life where I just have them on a regular rotation because I'm like, I want you to get a good meal. And not just from a nutrition standpoint, like from a soul standpoint. I want to sit across the table from you and I'm going to ask you questions about your life. And I want to show you that I care by how I listen. And I want to feed you in all the ways. And so I think, you know, just last week we had some friends over and we don't see them very often. And we all kind of worked together and served together during a real particular season of time. And then that was over. And now we're like circling back after like two years. And what happened around the table was it reminded me again, like, yep, still magic, still works. Um, We laughed together and we cried together and we prayed together and we talked about silly things and we talked about really big things. My kids were there and we talked about why I chose the food I did for the people that I did and the different things I wanted to communicate. And I just, I think people are starving in our culture in so many ways. But they're starving to find a place to be nourished and nurtured. And the table is a really good place for that. It is. It, it, I've not found its equal. And, you know, what would you say to the woman out there who heard you say that? And it's so inviting and it's so inspiring. And she feels like a super average cook. Um, maybe she doesn't have a real sense of flavors or utensils or recipes or any of it. So it's, this is not only reserved, right? For people who absolutely love to cook or are super good at it. Absolutely not. In fact, I would say some of my friends who practice what I would call like true hospitality on a deep level, don't cook at all. You don't have to cook Mm. at all. What it is, it's creating and holding sacred space for God's voice to be heard and for people to be seen and known, right? There's nothing to do with food. So I would say if your passion is, if you hear that and you wanna gather people, order pizza, pick up some LaCroix, pick up a box of chocolates and some paper plates and invite people into your space or grab all those things and take them to a public park or grab all those things and have them in your dorm room or like what I'm talking about can be done anywhere on any budget. It's way more a way of being with people than it is a, um, a menu list or centerpieces or whatever. And I would also say it's just like friendship in that you get comfortable with it over time and the returns don't come early in the process. Mm, I love that. Um, I have found that to be absolutely true in my life too. I think early on when I decided let's use our home as sort of a 
a center of nurture, as a, a gathering point, as a um, collection, a collector of human beings. I probably focus too much early on on the mechanics of it all. Um, I probably leaned a little bit more at an attempt to be impressive um, than an attempt to be nurturing. Um, and now I have that all flip-flopped um, because really you are right. Nobody cares. That's not what they're there for. They are not there to be impressed. They are there to be seen and to belong somewhere. And just, it, it's a rare and a wonderful gift. I don't know if we've lost the thread along the way because my parents gathered like this all the time and their parents did too. Um, but we're kind of in a lonely, broken up, isolated culture now. So this as old fashioned as that sounds, it's actually sort of rarefied air in our generation. I completely agree. And I agree with you in both ways. Um, when I first started doing lots and lots of hosting and gathering, it was much fancier. Um, I did much more complicated recipes, more new recipes all put together in one meal, more fancy serving stuff. The table was more, the whole thing was more fancy and more sparkly and more orchestrated, every part of it. And I feel like that's flipped for me as well. I think sometimes, um, you know, the Nestor, she has a beautiful blog, she has a book. It doesn't have to be, per be perfect to be beautiful. I love what she does. But one of the things she says, you know, because she's known for having like an amazing house. It's like what she does. And I heard her say somewhere that um, whenever she has people over, she pulls out, intentionally pulls out a laundry basket of clean but not folded laundry just to show people that if their house looks like that, they like we're in good company. And I love that, right? That is so precious and brilliant. That is phenomenal. I think, um, well, you know Brandon, my husband. So he and I are sometimes going in opposite directions on this continuum because while I am getting like looser and lighter and wear the paper plates and let's use plastic spoons, <laughs> just a few weeks ago, um, I open up this Amazon box on our front door and it is so heavy I can barely lift it. I'm thinking, what in the world is this? And I open it up and inside is the most sparkly, most beautiful set of, this is so Brandon, copper utensils, <gasps> knife, forks, spoons. I am like, Brandon, why? <laughs> why do we now own the 12 piece set of copper utensils? He was like, I got overly excited on Amazon because we had just come from a supper club. And I'm like, Brandon, I'm going toward plastic. You are heading toward like a king's setting, but whatever. We can do what we want to do with it. Um, let me ask you this. And I would love to know this. And everybody listening in, I'll make sure to have this recipe up on the transcript um, on my website. But if you just had to pick one, and I know you've got lots, you have a lot of greatest hits, but what is one of your biggest cooking hits? Specifically, let's say for eight people or more. If you're going to kind of have a dinner party and you do not want to spend 14 hours in the kitchen, but you want the food to be really delicious, what's one of your go-tos? One of my go-tos, okay, I make a chicken curry with mangoes that I have been making for like since before we have kids, had kids. Like I can make it in my sleep. And it, it kind of hits all those, right? It's not such a heavy curry that people who don't like spicy food can't eat it. Um, it's got a lot of fresh stuff in it. So it's got tomatoes and cilantro and peppers and fresh mango. Um, so it feels kind of light and vibrant. So it's good for springtime. Um, 
and it's one of those it's it's like a it's essentially a braise so you just dump it all in in a certain order and it just happens on itself it's not like something it's not like you've got a meat thermometer going at the last minute you're not like deep frying anything um so there's a mango chicken curry that i have made more than i've made anything else in the world i bet uh you've got that one of your books right which book did you put that recipe it's in it's in bread and wine yeah. It's just such a home run every time. Sometimes you just don't have to fix it if it's not broken. Make the same delicious thing a hundred times in a row. I was just saying this on social media a couple of weeks ago because we gather often too. And I was, I was sort of suggesting to women that maybe just pick if this, if you're at ground zero here, maybe just pick literally one day a month and say, okay, one night out of the entire month, let's invite a handful of couples or a couple of families over and we'll cook and just, that's it. Let's just try the experiment. And if you do that one time a month over the course of a calendar year, you will have hosted almost a hundred people and, and your life will be so much richer for it. I guarantee it. And some of those um, new friendships will catch traction and that will begin sort of a story that you're craving. And my opinion is like yours. If you want to make the exact same dish for every single dinner, like one of our go-to meals when we're serving a lot of people is salmon. You know why? It's not even cooking. It doesn't even count. <laughs> are you talking, are you talking about the one that you make with the honey mustard and the pecans? Yes. That's not even, it's not even cooking. It's, so good. it's delicious. And if you can open a bottle and then open a package of pecans and put something on a tray, your, your main dish is done. So it nothing ever has to be complicated or take a lot of time or be incredibly fancy because it really turns out that's not what anybody's there for. People even, you know, like right now, everything's all about like the capsule wardrobe. And I think kind of the, the related vision of that would be like, have your repertoire and, and it can make four things really well and serve them every single time. And, and then I think over time, people associate those flavors and those meals with your house. Like part of the reason I make the curry is because people ask me to, or because I know, you know, like if our friend Steve is coming over, of course I'm making it because he's been asking me to make it when we have him over for our birthday for 14 years, you know? And so it's not about like, oh, darn it, I'm having this thing again. But like, even when you go to a restaurant, if you have something you like on a restaurant menu, I'm going to order it 78 times. So you build a sense of like, hey, at our house, it tastes like this. At our house, um, like there's the, that wonderful story, I can track down the article at some point, of a family, I think they had just moved to a new town and they didn't totally know how to connect and they decided to do, she had one great recipe and it was for spaghetti and meatballs. So they decided to do spaghetti and meatballs every Friday and invite people over. And no one ever said like, mm, I'd love to come, but I was hoping you'd make um, tacos this week. It's like, that's the thing. It's just like, make a thing. Your thing is chili. Your thing is lasagna. And just figure it out and make it one bazillion times. I think that's some of the best advice I've ever heard you say. Like, perfect four dishes. Boom, that's your rotation. Now you have no excuses. There is absolutely no reason to feel insecure. That's what you do. And if people don't like it, they won't show up. But I promise you that they will. They absolutely will. So a couple more questions and then, um, um, and then I will just, you know, wrap it up as we like have our whole week ahead of us. Let me, um, real quickly ask you this. You've, um, referred before to friendship as a shelter, which I love that, um, that has been the truest, um, piece of my experience that I can recall. Um, can you, can you name a time or two maybe, 
uh, when or certain ways that your friends have been a shelter for you? Well, you know, um, maybe I'm thinking of this a lot right now because I have a couple friends in my life who I adore, um, who in the last year or so have had miscarriages. And um, so, you know, what happens in your life is you experiencing some, you experience something absolutely horrible. And then one of the tiny things, it doesn't make it better, but it at least makes it, uh, you're happy to share what you know, right? Then you become a person that people call when they have the same experience. So all that to say, um, someone I just absolutely adore showed up on my doorstep uh, a year ago and said, it's happening today. I'm losing the baby today. And sitting with her and talking with her reminded me of how my friends were my lifelines during those losses, Um, how they were in my space, in my home, with my kids, feeding us and praying with us after the second miscarriage, um, and it was twins. Um, There was a season where quite honestly, um, I had to ask people to pray for me, to pray the prayers I wanted to pray because I couldn't right then. And I kind of had to say, I'm silent in my spirit and in my heart, but if you could pray to a good God for new life on my behalf, if you could pray for my broken heart, and to to have people literally sitting next to me, holding my hand, praying out loud the words that I was too empty and silent to pray, in addition to like flowers and laundry and, you know, picking my kids up at preschool and whatever, like just... I have never felt so surrounded by the blood and guts human thing than in those seasons of so much loss. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for them. Oh, that's so powerful. I mean, even as you're talking, uh, my mind is going through a reel of how many times you have been that friend to me. And I am so grateful. I just, it, it, being sheltered under the nourishment of, of friendship is, um, it's healing. It's healing. It's transformative, actually. And you you receive that kind of friendship because you are that kind of friend. And that goes back to our earlier conversation. You will get out of your friendships exactly what you put in. So if you decide to kind of go all in here and invest hard and go after it, um, ultimately, when you need it, when you're the one with the dry well, you will have so much depth and richness to draw from because You have invested so deeply into other people and it will be their honor and their joy um, to invest back in you. You're so good at friendship. One of the very best I've ever, ever known, Shauna. And I mean that. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Three last little questions we do every time. And then we'll wrap it up and tell folks where to find you. Okay, here's the first one. We all have had lots of advice and guidance given to us. Some amazing, some absolutely awful. Um, what is the best advice and then what is the worst advice you've ever received? That's such a good question. Um, well, this is not necessarily advice, but it's a quote. And I believe it's E.M. Forster from, um, you know, a million novelist from ages ago. But there was a quote that just captured me so much and it said, only connect. That's it. That's the quote, only connect. And I have used that in so many different ways. I think because I can tend to want to hide when I'm feeling afraid, um, it's like I'm 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 happy to show up when everything's good, but when things feel difficult, I, I would rather handle that privately. That's like my impulse. Um, I want to put my best foot forward, you know. And I am I am learning. There was a situation just today where I thought to myself, connect, 
connect. Reach out through this. Say what you need. Um, show up in your full messy self. Only connect. Only connect. And then also only connect meaning don't perform. Don't impress. Don't compete. Don't push. Just connect. That's all we're trying to do here. Only connect. That feels really good to me. Brilliant. And then I think any advice that suggests a, a quick fix for something meaningful feels like really bad advice to me. I was just having a conversation the other day. Um, anyone that tells you like true spiritual maturity can happen overnight is lying to you. Anyone who can tell you that a great marriage is built overnight is lying to you. Anyone who tells you that life-changing friendships can happen with the snap of a fingers. That's just all bad advice. So like anything that's microwavable and quick and instant is probably not the same as something durable and deep and beautiful. Oh, so beautiful and true. All right, second, finish this sentence. You know, I really love you if I ever do blank for you. Oh, oh, I totally know this. Okay, I have two. Uh, one of them, so we live in Chicago. And there are two airports in Chicago, and one is O'Hare and one is Midway. And O'Hare is like 20 to 30 minutes from us. It's like right down the highway. Midway is like, I would rather walk to your house in Austin, Texas than drive to Midway Airport. And so if you, like, you will know that I have chosen you for my one and only for the rest of our life if I offer to pick you up at Midway Airport. Like, I, it's like, like you would rather say, can I put some money in your PayPal account to just get an Uber? Like, oh, like, like can I buy you a car yeah. for, that you can have forever? I'd rather do that. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, like the, my love, the, the heights of my love would be picking you up at Midway Airport. And the other one? If I go with you to Ikea. Oh, right. that's, that's true love. Oh, it's like Dante. I mean, it's so many levels of hell that one does not know even how to name them all. And if you need me to go with you, it's because you're buying a lot of things that have to get loaded into your car. <laughs> Good point. So then we're doing the whole backing up in the loading zone and the, I mean, it's just, a, it's a whole scenario. So that's, we're basically married at that point. We're forever people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last. This is a question, and I know you've heard it. It was first posed by uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, who we love. I love her, yes. And, and this is what she asked. What is saving your life right now? That's so good. Okay, I'll tell you t at least two come to mind right now. Number one, um, my little boys are playing baseball, and I'm in love with it. And... Um, Getting to be about them and their thing, getting to like get nervous for them and watch them grow and load up all the gloves and the balls and the little helmets and washing all the little baseball pants like I'm into it. And it just feels I like being I like cheering them on. I like being about them. Um, I'm really, you know, I have a weird job that requires me to be gone more than I wish I did. And we talk about that so much. And getting to be a baseball mom feels like the biggest gift in the world to me. I'm crazy about it. Ugh, I could not love that more. And the other thing. So um, I don't know if you do this. So I have a new thing. Okay. So um Obviously, I'm a like a writer, not just professionally, but like a, I'm a person who's been writing things down forever and ever and ever. And so consequently, people give me beautiful journals, right? But I, I don't use them because they're so beautiful because <laughs> I then I feel like I have to do something beautiful in them. And it feels weird to me. And then I feel like, OK, well, I should just be writing stuff on my laptop. But that feels to me like I could actually accidentally like 
publish it to the internet. That doesn't feel good to me. And so I find this sounds crazy, but I use like little um, hotel um, notepads, like the little tiny ones that you steal from the hotel when you also steal the shampoo. Um, and I write the most ridiculous, honest, pour it all out. Sometimes they're prayers. Sometimes they're just expressing my feelings and I just get them out with actual pen and paper. And then I rip them up and I throw them in the garbage. It's my new favorite thing. Mm. And it just, it gives me a place because writing is my original way of understanding the world. Right. Mm. But if I'm not careful, I can slip into writing only for professional purposes, but there's that, that way of healing myself. I needed to recover that, right? I needed to recover the old way of using words to make sense of my life and my world. And so these little hotel notebooks are my way of doing that now that this, no one's ever going to see this. I'm not trying to, I'm not saving this so that it can be an illustration someday. And this is just my actual heart on paper Mm. And, and using like the bad paper makes it feel really like I can do this. You know, it's not like, the leather bound journal with like a ribbon around it or something. I can't, I can't do those. I feel like I have to have fancier thoughts for those. I love that. So yeah, that's my thing. And then you tear it up so nobody can ever find it and use it against you. It's just so smart. And it's out. Yeah. And, and, and so that I can't like repurpose it into some greater theme about something, something. No, it's just, this is just life. This is just me trying to be a good human in my brain. You are one. Okay. Listen, tell everybody just quickly, just what you're working on right now and how to find you. So you can find me at shaunaniquist.com, which is um, brand new. Actually, it, it, my old website fell apart in the fall, but we were in the middle of the tour and I was like, Oh, it'll be okay. <laughs> we'll patch it up with band-aids later. So now there's a new one my friend Tim made it and he's great. Um, and, uh, I am very excited about the tour this fall. That's the biggest kind of thing coming up. Um, and my favorite of the various social media platforms is Instagram. I love it. I think I love getting to see pictures of, of people's lives. And I think that's a really fun thing. So that's probably my most excited one. I've always said that um, Instagram feels like prom every day, where some of the other social sites, it's like a dumpster fire. But Insta <laughs> is always fun and cheery and cheerful and lovely. So I am so with you. That's where I go when I um, need to feel good about life and the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fabulous. So, hey, friend, love you. Thanks for coming on today. Love you too. Great to talk to you. Well, no big mystery why I love that girl so much. Shauna is such a gem, such a treasure to me. I hope you loved our discussion. I hope you got some perspective on it. I love everything that Shauna has to teach us about gathering around the table and about connecting instead of impressing. Um, Those words just ring and ring in my head. It's so wise and so good and so true. I hope you loved everything that she had to say. So listener, dear listener, If you want to head over to my website at jenhatmaker.com, I'll have several things for you off of this podcast. I'll have the recipe Shauna talked about. I'll have the one I mentioned, which can hardly be called a recipe. I'll have links to her books, and I'm going to put up a couple of our favorite cookbooks too, in case you're feeling inspired over there. We'll also have the transcript um, of the blog if you want to read it or send it around. Finally... Um, I want to just share a little bit of love toward the hilarious 
copper flatware that my husband bought off Amazon for us to use for our dinner guests. Yes, I made fun of him, but here's the place where I said, they're actually gorgeous. Um, so if you guys ever come to my house to dinner, I promise you that I will use them to serve you. The ones that he got are called David Shaw copper flatware, and he got them on Amazon, which is where we get everything that we uh, have in life. And I'll, I'll throw a link up on my website too, because, you know, Brandon drives me crazy because he makes these sort of random purchases, but by golly, every single time you guys they're gorgeous. So whatever. Don't tell them that I said that. Um, those will all be over on my website and you can find out more about all of that. I hope you loved our discussion today. And let me just drop a little teaser as I leave you here. My second guest in the series for the love of girlfriends is literally America's favorite girlfriend, a literary hero of mine, um, an author who has instructed us in the ways of girlfriendhood and motherhood for the last 20 years. And I am giddy and fangirly that she's coming on. So we will be welcoming Vicki Iovine, who wrote The Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy, The Girlfriend's Guide to the First Year of Motherhood, Girlfriend's Guide to Getting Your Groove Back, and a myriad of wonderful, wonderful offerings that for years and years and years have said to us, you're not alone, you're not crazy, and we'll get through this together. She is a delight, and I cannot wait to welcome her on the next podcast. So join us for episode two on For the Love of Girlfriends with Jen Hatmaker. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. We love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.